0: Hi, I'm Eden.
1: And I'm Nicole.
0: Welcome to Roadside Roadside Horror Horror Show. Show. It's been so long since we recorded, I almost forgot how to do our intro for a second.
1: (laughs) It has been a while. But I mean, it was probably for a good reason that we didn't try to record while I was sick with COVID, and I think it would have just been really painful for people to listen to.
0: Exactly. It would have been horrible, and you would have felt horrible the entire time and not put your best foot forward with it because... You can't with COVID, so I'm glad that we waited. Agreed, agreed. As much as I missed recording, I missed you, and I missed having something fun to put out for the listeners, I'm still glad we waited.
1: Agreed, and we're back. We should have a pretty great episode for Idaho Part 2, The Gem State Returns.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Perfect sequel title.
1: Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I thought so, thank you. Um, So I actually dug up some kind of delightfully weird ass laws. I will say, Idaho, these laws you have, at first they seem super weird, but then there's like a little bit kernel of logic to it, but not like the right kind of logic that you need (laughs) to justify the law.
0: Oh, God. Okay. So. So it's like, I can see what you were trying to do, but this is what you actually did.
1: Exactly. Exactly. But also, did you think about how this would look to other people?
0: It's an episode of Nailed It.
1: Uh, Yeah, 100%. Uh, So, the first law that got my attention was that musicians cannot loiter at establishments after they're finished their gig. So, basically, the law says that uh, musicians have to immediately clean up and leave the bar after they're set.
0: Okay, so, like, if they want, you know, just to like chill at the bar afterwards, they cannot do that.
1: Correct. They would have to take all their equipment out, leave it in the van, I assume, and then come back in for a drink. Uh, The origin behind this law is an attempt to stop uh, the illegal underage drinking. So the idea that, you know, if musicians are under the age of 21, uh, they can quickly get out of the bar and they don't run the risk of the temptation of
0: boozing it up. (laughs) Boozing it up.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, the next one's kind of weird, and I, I have so many questions about why this is a law. And the law is you may not share your dog's kennel with them.
0: Okay. who Who is this for?
1: I, I, it's for your dog. Specifically, if you live in Wallace, Idaho, where your dog has rights. And one of those rights is that they have a right to private property. So your dog cannot be forced to share its accommodations with you or anyone or anything
0: else. Wow. Mhm. Mhm. I mean it's cool that dogs have rights and all, but that's a little crazy.
1: And I also wonder how many like I know I've heard that like saying like oh, he's really in the doghouse. I'm like is that what that phrase came from? Like people like men actually sleeping in a doghouse?
0: <laughs> I've never actually checked for <laughs> the origins of that one, but now I might have to.
1: Yeah, but but keep in mind, it's illegal to be in the doghouse in Idaho in more than one way.
0: So never use that phrase in front of a cop.
1: Exactly. exactly. He was really in the doghouse. What's that? Doghouse violation. I'm going to have to write you up. Let's see. Let's see. Next up. So we have definitely seen some very interesting Sunday laws, like the blue laws, all across the country, right? Mm -hmm. This one, I think, is the funniest, and it's so weird that I'm like, okay, but in the... Idaho Sunday rest laws, even though they have been repealed, when those laws were on the books, it was illegal for anyone to ride a merry-go-round on Sundays.
0: Okay.
1: I mean, I think the Lord likes joy, and merry-go-rounds definitely bring joy.
0: That is true. And also sheer terror if you fly off.
1: (laughs) That's true, but that's half the fun, Eden. (laughs)
0: That's true. (laughs) The risk of death always makes things better.
1: I don't know about your your childhood playground, but like my childhood playground definitely did not have the nice, like loamy foam that they have oh, no. today. I think I'm pretty sure mine was like wood chips. So it's wood like, chips. Not, yeah. yes. So it's like, not only are you going to possibly like crack your head on this steel friggin' merry-go-round when you go flying off of it, but you're for sure gonna, 100% going to get splinters when you skid out on the wood chips.
0: Oh, if you didn't get at least one splinter after going to the park for the day, did you even go? Were you even playing? yeah exactly i mean that was part <laughs> of the fun is having your mom sit there and poke at you until she got the splinter out good times good times I remember one time after being on like a um it was like wood and metal um you know like playground equipment i like cut my knee open real big on it <laughs> oh. uh, i'm i probably should have had stitches but spoiler i did not get stitches
1: you're like maybe tetanus who knows <laughs> Exactly. You survived yes. to adulthood. You're good.
0: Did I, though? <laughs> Did I really?
1: Uh, so here's another good law that is was on the books in Idaho, but it has since been repealed, and that is that a PDA, a public display of affection, may only last 18 minutes or less.
0: That's a long time. That is a long time. If you want to have a quickie outside, you can, I guess.
1: <laughs> right? Which is funny because the law was put into place to help with public decency. And it was built around the idea of living the amount of time couples could kiss in public. So, I, I again, again, great intention, Idaho. Just not quite the best execution when you look at it. Because 18 minutes, you can still, you know, that's a long time to make out with somebody. I don't.
0: That really is. You know. I mean, maybe not for teenagers, but for, like, normal people, yes.
1: True, true. I feel like this would be one of those laws where it's like, the teenagers are necking at the movies again. Yeah. Gotta put a stop to this.
0: Because I know when I was a teenager, I'd, like, make out with someone for, like, hours. So, (laughs) sorry, mom and dad.
1: (laughs) That's called discovering your sexuality, Ian.
0: Exactly.
1: No shame. See what else is weird on on the books. This law is still on the books. And it's kind of odd, but whatever. So, you cannot sell chickens after sundown without permission from the sheriff.
0: That's really weird.
1: Yeah, I have no idea what the origin story behind this particular law was. It just popped up in every article about crazy weird laws from Idaho. And the best I can surmise is this probably comes from the days when you know during the early old old west i guess and people would steal chickens after nightfall
0: true i could see that
1: yeah so it's probably the idea that like you tell the sheriff hey i'm going to be selling these chickens they're not stolen uh so th- so that you don't accidentally get your customers into trouble when they just need a chicken for their dinner
0: winner winner chicken dinner
1: mm-hmm. and i swear it's legal chicken
0: <laughs> none of those <laughs> uh you know Fake chicken sales, counterfeit chickens.
1: Five finger chicken discounts. Five chicken <laughs> finger discounts.
0: Chicken finger discounts.
1: <laughs> uh, I feel like you'll like this next law eating because I immediately just pictured a very confused Dr. Doolittle. Okay. <laughs> In Idaho, according to the Idaho Fishing Game Guide, you are not allowed to fish from the back of a moose. I didn't know that was an option because I have a feeling moose are generally wild animals.
0: Yes. I mean, (laughs) unless everybody in Idaho is required to have a pet moose. Did you find that law?
1: (laughs) No, I did not. I also saw another variation of this that says you're not allowed to fish from the back of a camel. And then I did a little bit more digging, and it's not really some crazy-ass Doctor Doolittle type person who's talking and walking with the animals. It's a law that basically says you can't fish from the back of any animal. So that would include like horses or or burros or whatever else you could be possibly riding.
0: Did you say camel?
1: Yeah, camel.
0: Yeah. Is Idaho in Africa?
1: No, nor nor, nor any place where camels are indigenous. No, so
0: that's really weird. Yeah. It's like, are you suddenly transported to Africa when you go into the state of Idaho? Like, what is going on?
1: (laughs) Well, that was the thing. I was like, uh, and then I realized that all the article writers were taking extreme liberties and trying to get the most clickbaity possible. Gotcha.
0: That happens. That's like the internet to its Yes,
1: exactly. But yeah, so no fishing from the back of any animal in Idaho, which I guess means you got to stay on your own two goddamn feet the fish.
0: I remember seeing this, like, article that was very clickbaity that was like you know 20 actors and actresses that you didn't know were transgender and it had a big picture of julia Stiles on it (laughs) and i was like what so of course they clicked it and she was not on the list i'm like i know who laverne cox is i know who this person is i know who that person is don't even know you and then like you know i was like she's not on this list at all so okay (laughs) clickbait
1: they got gotcha. you. It was like yeah.
0: her and like Jonathan Taylor Thomas or something. <laughs> and I was like, well, I haven't seen him in a while.
1: Oh my God. That's amazing. You're like, are they the same person? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, I have a couple more. I have a couple <laughs> more laws for you. Now that I am picturing JTT and Julia Styles as the same person. And I really want to see that, that hilarious Lifetime movie.
0: That's going to be the next body swap movie. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> so they have a lot of hunting laws just like they have a lot of laws around game f- game fishing and things like that in Idaho. And part of it is to make sure that animals are being hunted humanely and safely. So this is a really big law that is illegal to hunt any animal by shooting it from a moving helicopter, a jetpack, a tank, or any other motorized or airborne vehicle.
0: Holy shit, I didn't know that I had the option of hunting in a tank around these parts. So. Neither
1: did I! I'm like, a tank? I'm like, whoa, what are they Where selling at the Army-Navy store? <laughs> Seriously. Uh, it's also illegal to use motor vehicles to stir up animals uh, or use remote vehicles like drones to hunt or locate animals for hunting.
0: Interesting. Which
1: I personally appreciate that law because I definitely know it's really annoying in certain parts of the country that i've been in especially like when it's late at night and it's rural and you just see like guys driving around on pickup trucks like shining lights into the woods oh yeah that sucks i hate that because it's like i've definitely had that experience where i've been driving in the opposite direction and like they basically blinded me and i'm like you're a jerk and i hope you catch no animals and i hope you crash because that's exactly like you're, you're not even like really hunting at that point in my opinion uh, this next law is right up our alley, Eden. I just want you to know that if we ever get involved in a Donner party-like incident in Idaho, it's going to be okay if we eat people.
0: Oh my god. Yes. legalized cannibalism.
1: Let's put it this way. Cannibalism is mostly illegal in Idaho unless there's extenuating circumstances. <laughs>
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> well, you can no. argue that until, like, you know, the cows come home, but yep, also it's... don't hunt from those cows.
1: Yes, don't hunt those cows from your car. Um, but, yeah, I thought that was hilarious. It's mostly illegal, and, and essentially this was something that was actually inspired by the Donner Party. Uh, they get a lot of blizzards and difficult weather in the wintertime in Idaho, and lawmakers didn't want to punish people for doing what they felt is something as a very drastic measure to survive. So they passed this law in the 19th century, making it acceptable or at least not illegal, let's say not illegal, to feast on the flesh of your fellow fallen travelers if you get stranded someplace in the wintertime in Idaho. Wow.
0: Wow. (laughs) Okay. Don't eat barbecue in Idaho. I get it, but now I'm never going to Idaho
1: never eat the barbecue they're never
0: oh man <laughs> uh
1: this next law which is like i think one of my favorites that i've come across because it's something that as a woman um always makes me feel like i'm trapped in big in in, in 1984 like big brother's like the idea of like you know Big Brother controlling your reactions to things. And also, it's just plain rude, and it really grins on me when someone says, Hey, smile. You should smile more.
0: Smile. Oh, I hate that.
1: hmm Well, you'd really hate the fact that in Picatello, Idaho, there is a law called the Smile Ordinance. And that law says, quote, It is prohibited for pedestrians and motorists to display frowns, grimaces, scowls, threatening and glowering looks, loomy and depressed facial appearances generally all of which reflect unfavorably upon the city's reputation while in public
0: i'm i'm never going there because i have a major case of resting bitch face <laughs> so i would be arrested immediately like they see me and bam i'm in handcuffs
1: yeah it's bad enough that random dudes already telling me to smile but now the state's gonna back them up on this i'm a little That's annoyed <laughs> Um, When you do dig into this a little bit more, you actually find out that the reason the Smile Ordinance was passed was that in the late 1940s, uh, a lot of the folks in Picatello who were very glum because they had a really brutal series of long, cold winters. So everyone was just freaking miserable. And the city thought that, hey, the Smile Ordinance could actually brighten people's day, literally, if people smile more. So that's how it became a law on the books.
0: Being forced to smile does not make me happier. Thank you very much. (laughs) Agreed.
1: And then this last one is the most perfect thing, and I really think makes the connection between what we all immediately think of when someone says Idaho and its laws. So the Idaho state law has some of the strictest standards for what constitutes a Idaho deluxe potato.
0: Oh, good. We're finally getting to potatoes in Idaho.
1: We finally found the potato lawn. Why do we think so much about potatoes? So, Idaho wants to make sure it has the best reputation when it comes to packaging, selling, and shipping potatoes that have that Idaho deluxe label on it, which means that they have to be of a certain size. They cannot be too soft. They definitely can't be moldy. And they have to be clean so that they look fresh and immaculate. Okay. They are literally some of the hot Highest guidelines applied to any kind of produce anywhere. Like when you read through it, like it literally tells you that it can't be, it must be six ounces or larger, a fairly well shaped, free of freeze injury, black heart, and soft rot. Like it goes into it, like deep into it. And it's like, it can't have any cuts on it, mechanical or otherwise. It has to be of a certain grade weight to be considered a deluxe potato. So it's like, it's intense.
0: Okay. I mean, I can get behind this law, though, because, I mean, I, I if I buy a potato, I would like it to actually be a nice potato and not some gross thing with a million eyes.
1: I agree. So, like, especially when you're thinking about, you know, how you, you're craving one of those deluxe, like, baked potatoes where you're just going to have the baked potato in the jacket. I'd say go for Idaho deluxe because it sounds like it's going to be the best potato you can get your hands on.
0: Wait a minute. Didn't we talk about this? Aren't we both two people that don't like baked potatoes? Yes. That okay. Accurate. So then that you is for someone else. That's not us. Gotcha. That's
1: more okay. the general you, not you Eden.
0: Okay. And not you, Nicole. Somebody we don't else want any of that us. bullshit. Fuck Every other potatoes. type of potatoes. Sure. But we draw don't the line at baked.
1: How basic. I'm not a basic potato. <laughs> But yeah, I thought those were a good collection of weird laws that really, I think, tell you a little bit more about Idaho as a state as a as a state of mind. <laughs> well, now that we chatted through the weird laws, I do have a true crime story for you, Eden. And I'm pretty sure you probably know who I'm gonna Tell you about today because, as you mentioned before, we started recording, there's a couple people in the true crime annals of Idaho that fall into some of my favorite categories of criminals. So
0: I'm I'm pretty sure if there's a little poison going on, I know who this is.
1: (laughs) So today we're heading to Twin Falls, Idaho, the Mm -hmm. county seat and largest city of Twin Falls County. It's in the Magic Valley region. And it's the largest city in a 100-mile radius, which also makes it the regional commercial center for most of south-central Idaho and even northeastern Nevada. It's also the seventh-largest city in the state of Idaho and one of the state's fastest-growing cities. Located on a broad plain at the south rim of the Snake River Canyon, the area is one of the oldest for human activity in North America, actually, and has long been inhabited by the Northern Shoshone and Bannock tribes. Though Twin Falls is located along the Oregon Trail, the first permanent settlement there wasn't established until 1864 when a stagecoach stop led to the building of a town. By 1890, there was a handful of successful agricultural operations in that area of the Snake River Canyon. Twin Falls was founded as a city in 1904, they planned the city pretty well. It was designed, actually, by celebrated Franco-American architect, Emmanuel-Louise Ray. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It sounds very French.
0: It is definitely very French.
1: <laughs> and maybe it's emmanuel Louis Masqueray. That but sounds the- good.
0: Thank you. We'll go with it.
1: And as they were going through and selling the lots in the town, they used proceeds towards the construction of additional irrigation canals to make sure that the city didn't flood and also that its agricultural community could continue to grow. It was officially incorporated on April 12th, 1905. Now, the city was named for a nearby waterfall on the Snake River, also called Twin Falls. There are tons of waterfalls in this area of the snake river canyon so twin falls is just one of many by the way in 1907 twin falls the town became the seat of the newly formed twin falls county the original town site was a planned community like i mentioned and it also had a really unique design it was laid out on a northeast to southwest and northwest to southwest road grid the reason that this was laid out in such a manner was reportedly because it was done to allow sunlight to come into every room in the town at some point during the day. The south, the northwest to southeast roads were numbered and called avenues, while the northeast to southwest roads were numbered and called streets. Only two central, sh- exactly, only two central streets, the northeast. West to Southeast Main Avenue and the Northeast to Southwest Shoshone Street were named. So everything else was numbered. Now, this kind of created a unique situation around how to explain to get to different locations and addresses within the city. Oftentimes, you would hear things like, it's on the corner of Third and Third.
0: Oh, that's not confusing for anyone.
1: (laughs) Nope, nope. So you couldn't say it's on 6th and 4th because you didn't know if you're talking about 6th Avenue or 6th Street or 4th Avenue or 4th Street. Needless to say, by 2003, the residents of Twin Falls were like, we need a better system, please. (laughs) It's so confusing to get around and deliver mail here.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, that was also annoying in Bethlehem. Because there's 3rd Street and there's 3rd Avenue. So which one is it?
1: At least there's named streets in between them, though.
0: <laughs> That's true. That is true.
1: <laughs> so now if you do visit Twin Falls, all the streets have been renamed to alleviate some of the confusion around the numbered streets being avenues or streets. So you should be good. And also, too, as the city continued to grow, later roads um, such as Blue Lakes Boulevard, Addison Avenue, and Washington Street were laid out in the standard north, south, east, west grid that most towns and cities use. Twin Falls became a major regional economic center that served the agricultural industry and it continues to hold that role today. The city has become a processing center mostly for agricultural commodities, the largest ones being beans, potatoes, and sugar beets. Um, In more recent years, other food operating businesses have joined the local economy and since 1960 twin falls has become one of idaho's largest cities even though its origins are still within living memory in other words people can remember when twin falls wasn't was wasn't even a town and by like mid-century it was a, one of the biggest cities so kind of a very very rapid growth for
0: twin interesting. Falls. interesting cool mm-hmm. uh
1: it became the national C- center of attention though in september of 1974 When Daredevil, Evil Knievel, attempted to jump the Snake River Canyon on a specially modified rocket motorcycle.
0: Fun. I know. I don't
1: I feel like Evil Knievel was like a thing like right before I was born. So like my brothers definitely had like the evil Knievel dolls and stuff. And I'm like, who is this weirdo? Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) But in September of 1974, millions of Americans watched on closed circuit television on a sunday afternoon when knievel attempted this insane jump over the snake river valley unfortunately it failed because there were really high winds that day and part of his jump involved a parachute which actually deployed prematurely so evil knievel did not make the jump across the canyon
0: oh that's not good
1: i mean he had a parachute so like he survived and all that stuff but still rocket bike no more During the last quarter of the 20th century, uh, the diversification of the agricultural economy around the city allowed it to continue to grow. Uh, Other major employers that call Twin Falls home include computer maker Dell, Galbana, Jayco, which is a recreational vehicle manufacturer. Twin Falls is also quite multicultural, thanks in large part to a refugee center that was opened by the College of Southern Idaho. Since 1995, significant numbers of people from Bosnia-Herzegovina, the former Soviet Union, and other areas have settled in Twin Falls.
0: I'm so proud of you for this, by the way, because I would have said Twin Peaks at least 12 times by now.
1: (laughs) Well, I typed Twin Falls so many times. It's in there. (laughs) It's burned in there. Um, I did discover that Twin Falls has some fun notable residents, including W. Mark Felt, a.k.a. Deep Throat from the Watergate scandal. He grew Ah. up in Twin Falls. Actress Christina Hendricks, whose credits include Joan Holloway Harris on Mad Men and Beth Bolin on Good Girls. Yay. And of course, the subject of my story today, the notorious Lida Southard, aka Flypaper Lyda, aka Lady
0: Bluebeard. Lady Bluebeard. Yes, that's the name that I know.
1: (laughs) Yes. I'm so happy
0: that you're doing this one.
1: Me too. I was like thinking, I'm like it's been ages since I've done a lady poisoner, so I was really delighted to find a a West Coast or Western American lady poisoner.
0: I saw that story when I was looking through, you know, stories for Idaho, and I was like, this one seems cool, but I think Nicole's gonna really like this one, so I want her to do it.
1: Thanks, Eden. I did really like it, and I'm excited to share you share the details with you.
0: And it's perfect for my story too. So,
1: yes, awesome. So. Lida Southard was born Lida Ann May Trueblood on October 16th, 1892, in Keytesville, Missouri, which is about 60 miles northeast of Kansas City. The Trueblood family moved to Twin Falls, Idaho, in 1906, so right after the city was incorporated. At the age of 19, Lida married Robert Dooley. And the couple moved into his brother Ed's ranch outside of Twin Falls, Idaho. Things started out great for the couple. Soon they welcomed a daughter, Lorraine, in 1914, about two years after they had been married. The very next year, however, things went bad. Lorraine died unexpectedly before reaching her second birthday. Lida insisted that little Lorraine died from drinking water from a dirty well on the ranch. Later that year in August, Ed Dooley died from what was at the time rumored to be talmaine poisoning.
0: What the heck is that?
1: So talmaine poisoning is now today known as food poisoning. It was like an old timey term for it. Oh, okay. So basically he got sick shortly after eating and then passed away. But nothing to see here. Ignore, Ignore the obvious for now. Then, a few short months later, on October 12, 1915, her husband, Robert Dooley, became ill and died of what the local doctor thought was typhoid fever. Two years later, though, Lida, who is by all accounts a very attractive young widow, married husband number two, William G. McAfee, in June of 1917. A year later, McAfee suddenly became ill and died in October of 1918. His death certificate states that the cause of death was influenza and diphtheria.
0: Poor will never invent that antivirus software.
1: <laughs> It'll have to be one of his great, 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 great nephews.
0: And who knows? It might be.
1: She wasted no time in marrying husband number three to continue on with her best life. Husband number three was a man named Harlan C. Lewis, a car salesman from Billings, Montana. They got married in March of 1919, but just four short months later, he, too, had died. His death was ruled a result of the complications of gastroenteritis, also known as, get this,
0: infectious diarrhea. Oh, my God. Okay. I didn't know that that's what that... Was? Infectious yeah. diarrhea, Infectious
1: though. Infectious diarrhea. So, Infectious. Yeah, so he basically died from a severe inflammation of his gastrointestinal tract. Very odd, considering how many people just have the worst tum- tummy troubles around Lida.
0: She's a very unlucky woman, the poor thing.
1: True. Now, she's only 27 years old, and she's three-time widowed. And But you know what? You can't keep a good Lida down. She's ready to try her luck on love again.
0: Good for her.
1: (laughs) So on August 10th, 1920, Lyda marries her fourth husband, Edward F. Meyer. He was a ranch foreman in Picatello, Idaho. Three weeks into the marriage, however, he fell ill and died of typhoid on September 7th, 1920. Not even a whole month.
0: Oh my God. She works quick. Or I mean, people just die at quick rates around her.
1: Such tragedy. Such tragedy. Now, all of these deaths, you think, hmm, someone should probably notice something. Well, since she had moved back to Idaho, this series of dead husbands sparked the attention of Earl Dooley, who was a relative of her first husband, Robert. Earl was a chemist in Twin Falls, and he began to study the deaths of the people who surrounded Lyda's life. Earl Dooley had just seen Edward Meyer at his home days before he died, and Edward looked very ill. Dooley immediately went back to Meyer's home after he found out that he had passed away, and while he was there, he decided to scrape up dirt from the exact spot where he had seen Meyer standing and took it back to his lab to test it. After he analyzed it, he found that there were quite a bit of arsenic in the sample
0: hmm to, yeah Gee.
1: wonder what's happening <laughs> uh-huh. to be sure earl dooley decided to ask a physician dr hal byler and a fellow chemist edward Rodendeck, to check his work just to make sure that it was valid so the two men agreed to do independent studies of dooley's initial findings and both of them concluded that there was arsenic They concluded that Meyer had been killed by arsenic poisoning and felt that this could also be the cause of death of some of Lida's other husbands, but they wouldn't know without further investigation. Earl duly notified authorities about his findings, and shortly, the bodies of Lida's three other husbands, brother-in-law and her daughter, were all exhumed to be tested. And they did find traces of arsenic in some of the bodies, While the others were suspected of arsenic poisoning, but it was difficult to tell if that truly was the cause of death because the bodies were too deteriorated.
0: And a little bit of arsenic is good for you, like, you know, a thimbleful or so.
1: A thimbleful or so, you know, just a thimbleful.
0: (laughs) I'll never forget that story. (laughs) Or the one, whoever else you did that I think was also a poisoner who pretended to be her own twin.
1: Mm-hmm. hmm Yes. That was the modern one where it was like a soap opera.
0: Yes, that was nuts. I loved every minute yeah. of that one.
1: Like all poisoners, authorities realize we got to search her home because I'm sure there's going to be like a large bottle of arsenic in the corner or something because that's what always happens, right?
0: Exactly. It's a hiding in plain sight.
1: Well, speaking of hiding in plain sight, the interesting thing is that when the police went to Lyda's house, they didn't find any like boxes of rat poison or bottles of arsenic what they found instead was massive quantities of roll flypaper
0: flypaper
1: yes so i don't know if you caught it in my intro but she's also known as lady bluebeard or flypaper lida so oh when the authorities searched her home they found just like tons and tons of this rolled fly paper and they also found these large water barrels and they discovered that the fly paper was soaking in some fly paper was soaking in this water and essentially what lida was doing or they theorized what lida was doing was instead of buying arsenic or rat poison or something that could tie her to the poisoning she would just buy fly paper and then soak it to extract the arsenic on the fly paper
0: oh my god okay well i mean I don't want to say that I'm proud of her because I'm not. She's a terrible person. But that is very, very smart.
1: Right. You can, you can ex- respect the deviousness of that.
0: Exactly. Yes.
1: So now authorities had the means and they had the bodies. Now they just need to find a motive. And they found it pretty easily after searching through the records of the Idaho State Life Insurance Company. Turns out, all four of Lada's husbands had life insurance policies, and Lida, surprise, Prize, was listed as the main beneficiary for each of the policies. So her first husband, Robert, had a life insurance policy of almost five thousand. Her next husband, five hundred. Harlan Lewis then had three thousand, and then her last husband, Edward Meyer, had a ten thousand dollar policy.
0: Man, so, she's not even trying to hide it anymore.
1: Mm-mm. Now, when authorities looked around to arrest Lida, they unfortunately were out of luck. She quickly realized that as soon as they started exhuming the bodies of her family, that she would be found out. So she hightailed it. She ended up in Honolulu, Hawaii, where, surprise, surprise, she was on the numptuous path yet again. This time, husband number five. Not surprising. Right? (laughs) This husband, number five, if you're keeping count, was a Navy petty officer named Paul Southerd. Lyda had tried to convince Paul to get a life insurance policy and, of course, you know, list her as a beneficiary. After all, being a Navy officer could be a dangerous job. But luckily for him, Paul decided against the idea. After all, he has a Navy pension. She'll be fine.
0: Of course.
1: Well, when the police show up in Honolulu and arrest Lida for the murder of her first four husbands, Paul quickly divorces her, and she is extradited back to Idaho. Lida is arraigned on June eleventh, 1921, and the trial lasts about six weeks. With all the evidence surrounding the murders of her first four husbands, uh, Lida was convicted of second-degree murder. Sentenced to 10 years of life in prison at the old Idaho State Penitentiary. And you think that would be the end of Miss Lida Southard, a.k.a. Lady Bluebeard, a.k.a. Flypaper Lida. But it's not.
0: And before you get into why it's not, because I am very intrigued, I just want to say, the whole running away to Hawaii thing after killing your husband, I'm wondering if... That's what inspired the movie Black Widow. Do you remember that movie?
1: Is that the, Is that Gina Davis in it? Um, I might yeah, not be thinking Deborah about. Winger and oh, somebody. No, I don't think I know that movie.
0: Okay, because after she kills one of her husbands, she runs off to Hawaii and has this brand new life.
1: <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna flee, it's not a bad place to flee to. Exactly.
0: I mean, it's so weird though. I've known so many people that moved to Hawaii. And as beautiful as it is, everyone says they hate living there.
1: Well, I can see it's kind of one of those things where it's like every day is not going to be like vacation.
0: That's true. Yeah. So I'm sure like it wears off after a while. It's like, oh, another huge storm coming our way on this island. Great.
1: Plus stuff super duper expensive in Hawaii because it has to be shipped in. So (sighs) Hawaii. Beautiful place. Anyway. (laughs) So speaking of beautiful... Um, so if you're keeping track, Lyda herself is only in like her, like you know, 30s at this point. And again, she's a super attractive lady by the standards of the day, I will say. And or just like I mean, she's not my type, which I guess is good for me. <laughs> um, but she's still super attractive, and by most accounts, really, really charming and nice. When you talk to her, she just happens to be a homicidal poisoner. So
0: everyone has their flaws, Nicole.
1: I mean, no one's perfect. I know, Eden. (laughs) But while she's in prison, she charms a guard named Jack Watkins, and he develops this intense infatuation with Lyda and decides to help her escape. And the weird thing is, is that he ends up dying before Lyda can actually make the escape. Um, People have speculated that maybe she used him up until a point to like arrange things, but it then decided to off him and maybe poison him. But then most accounts are that he died of natural causes, and plus it would be really hard for her to poison him whilst he was still in jail.
0: That's true. Unless she saved her apple seeds.
1: Oh, those apple seeds. Quite a few. So on the night of May 4th, 1931, after Jack had already died, Lydia used all of the supplies he had given her to make her great escape. So she cuts the bars out of her cell window with a saw he provided. He built her a ladder made out of plumbing pipes that she could use to scale the wall. And he also provided a rope of torn blankets so that once she had scaled the wall using the pipe ladder, she could very easily reach the ground without twisting her ankle.
0: How considerate.
1: Such a sweet, sweet dead, dead man. Yes. (laughs) So using all of these beloved gifts from her, Bo, Lida makes her great escape. Once she's over the prison wall, turns out she has another guy waiting for her.
0: Lida, really?
1: <laughs> mm hmm. Listen, she's very charming and very pretty, and she doesn't mind a bad boy.
0: I mean, we all have a secret thing for bad boys, don't we?
1: <laughs> I mean, perhaps, perhaps. But Lida had uh, convinced a man named david minton who was an ex-con who had just been released from the same prison about three weeks before to help her make her getaway so he was waiting for her outside the prison with a getaway car he thought that the beautiful lida would be so grateful for him for risking his newfound freedom to save her that they would be happy together forever well not so much Later, as the prison warden started to investigate what had happened, it quickly they were quickly able to find David, who had visited Lida in the women's ward two nights before she made her escape. And in the weeks leading up to the escape, he had exchanged so many love letters with her by throwing them over the prison walls that there was definitely some missing that other prisoners had gotten hold of and turned over to the warden. The police start searching for Lida and David Minton, and On July 2nd, 1932, they find Minton alone by himself in Denver, Colorado. Turns out Lida was really just using him for a ride. And then by the time they got to Colorado, she bounced.
0: Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) I mean, he should be happy, though, that she didn't kill him.
1: I mean, yeah, but I guess Minton was pretty bitter about being ditched and had no problem sharing with the authorities the rest of Lida's plans. He was arrested for the part he played in the escape, but he did tell her that she was going to she planned to leave Denver. So the police began looking for her in Kansas, which was where she had bought a uh, train ticket to. Now, the interesting thing is that Lida actually didn't make it to Kansas. She had actually started working as a housekeeper for a man named Harry Whitlock in Denver using an assumed name. Hmm. Lida and Henry had gotten married. So now she has husband number six, in case she lost track. And when the police finally found Minton, that is also when Harry learned about Lida's true identity. Oh, no. (laughs) Yep. So the net's closing in around her. And he contacted the police. He managed to arrange for Lida to visit a post office where the police were waiting for her. She was going by the name Fern Zellers Reigns and had dyed her hair black and had two of her front teeth replaced with gold ones in an attempt to hide her identity, which I don't know why she would go the route uh, of gold teeth, because that definitely stands out more.
0: But what is Is she a rapper now? Like <laughs> from the 2000s? Like...
1: Yes. Yes, she is, Eden. She's Fern Zellers Reigns.
0: What the hell? Okay. All right, Fern. <laughs> you do you, I guess. <laughs>
1: I mean, she's definitely. Not, I just like giggle because I just immediately thought of Fern Mayo.
0: Absolutely yes.
1: <laughs> Only oh she God. should have
0: become Violet instead, and then she would have been better off. But
1: exactly, exactly.
0: No one listens to Courtney
1: ever. So when the police finally caught her after 15 months, she reportedly told them, "Well, I expected to get caught." <laughs>
0: Which uh, okay. Like, Obviously, okay. I don't think she did, but no. yeah.
1: So, uh, Henry, Harry, Harry Whitlock, her husband, number six, he has her marriage annulled and applies to receive the $500 reward for tips leading to her arrest. The police later tell him the extent of the crimes that she has committed. He's absolutely stunned. He said that Lida was a model wife and, you know, just the, like, he was very happy in their marriage and, and he was just shocked to find out she had this salacious past. Um, But then when he thought about it some more, he did recall that she suggested he take out a life insurance policy, but he didn't quite get around to it yet.
0: (laughs) And that was probably the only thing that saved his life.
1: Yep, probably. So it's 1933 now. Light is back in prison. And it turns out that the shenanigans are still continuing. She starts getting extraordinary favors from the warden and other guards because, you know, she's Lida. She's so pretty and sweet and nice. I can't believe she poisoned all those dudes.
0: Is this still an old Idaho state penitentiary? Yes. Okay. Yes, it
1: is. So some of the things that, ha- that Lida was allowed to do while she was incarcerated include visiting her sick mother off prison grounds. And she was actually left unguarded for five hours while she was visiting her mother
0: what is it with these lady poisoners and then like they go to prison and everyone's like you're pretty it's fine do whatever
1: right and i'm like wow that's all it takes is a little charming a little batting your eyes and you know they i mean maybe that's why they're such good poisoners
0: Uh, sorry male listeners but (laughs) apparently men are really stupid
1: they'll do anything for some hot hot prison
0: poontang yeah I love but, the word poontang, so I poontang. had to
1: use it. All right, we'll go with that. Some hot, hot prison poontang. So they find out she, so that she's allowed to go visit her mother, left unsupervised for five hours. She's given rides in cars so she could go to a nearby resort or see a movie at the local theater. And the worst part is, is that the people doing it are the warden, this man named George Rudd. He allows Lida to go. He even accompanies her to the movies and to see her mother he also will invite her to go to dinner with him and his wife um yeah yeah what i don't
0: i don't understand <laughs> any of this i've lost and, faith in humanity
1: and lita wasn't Not that
0: the- i had much to begin with
1: I know, but the funny thing is, like, Lida wasn't the only lady prisoner that he did this with. Like one of the specific things that was reported in media at the time was about the movie trip that Lida and two other very pretty female prisoners were taken on. Basically, this big like date with the warden, George Rudd, his wife, and then like, these three ladies. They all wanted to go see the see a movie together.
0: I I don't get it. I, I don't <laughs> understand at all. <laughs>
1: Needless to say, the warden resigns from his position in disgrace. Then fast forward a couple several more years, fast forward several more years, and on October 2nd, 1941, at the age of 48, Lyda is released from the penitentiary. She's given a six-month probationary release, and then after a year and a half of successful probation she receives what it's called a full pardon i didn't quite understand how she was pardoned but i think it meant that she was just you know fully released from prison so what does Lyda do with her new prison her new freedom she moves to oregon to live with her sister after a few years but then she gets kind of bored and heads to twin falls where she marries a man named hal shaw aka husband number seven Hal Shaw was reportedly a pretty wealthy guy, and about two years later, he just disappears without a trace.
0: Okay, so he's somewhere (laughs) with Carol Baskin's husband. Yes,
1: yes he is. Um, Good for Lyda for changing her MO, but we have no idea whatever happened to Hal Shaw. But we do know that Lyda kept his money and that she actually passed away at age 65 on February 5th, 1958. At the time, she was going by the name Anne E. Shaw, to distance herself from her previous notoriety. She was carrying groceries home on a city street in Salt Lake City, Utah, and she had a sudden heart attack and passed away. She was returned to Twin Falls to be buried in the family plot. And that is the crazy life story of Lida Southard, a.k.a. Lida, Anna Mae Trueblood, a.k.a. Anne E. Shaw, a.k.a. Flypaper Lida.
0: That's just insane. All of that is insane. I was not prepared for this. I'm glad I didn't go (laughs) far enough down that rabbit hole to have all this spoiled for me. So
1: yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Seven Husbands is I think that's one of the most out of any of Our Lady Poisoners.
0: I think so, yeah.
1: Like she was very prolific and she got away with it for quite a bit um of time. So
0: And then after she didn't get away with it, other people were still letting her get away with it.
1: I know. Amazing. Amazing. So yeah. My sources for today's story were Wikipedia, Idaho dot com, New York Daily News, Medium dot com, and HistoricHorrors dot com.
0: Well, thank you very much for that, Nicole. That was really good and very nutty.
1: (laughs) I'm glad you liked it.
0: (laughs) And now we need a little air conditioning break, and then we'll be right back with the news and my story. See you then. And we're back. And I do have a fun news story for you, since I didn't have one last time I recorded. Yay! This one comes from AP News, and the headline is, Sheriff, woman intent on revenge, set fire to wrong house. (laughs) Wow. Okay, calm down, Lisa Left Eye Lopez. Come on. So it says, a North Carolina woman apparently seeking revenge on her ex-boyfriend tried to set fire to a house owned by someone else, according to a sheriff's office. The Rowan County Sheriff's Office said in a report that a homeowner in Gold Hill was awakened Friday by a neighbor who saw a woman trying to set fire to the house. There were bundles of wood and a fire on the front porch, and deputies found a jug of oil that they say was used to start the fire.
1: Okay.
0: As the homeowner went to get a garden hose, he saw burning pieces of wood around a propane tank. The garden hose didn't work because the woman had apparently used a sealant to block the flow of water, deputies said. Ooh, that's devious. That's, yeah. The homeowner grabbed a rifle and confronted the woman, who was holding one of his dogs on a leash. This has layers, man. This has layers.
1: Also, too, she wanted revenge. I'm curious, like, what she wanted revenge about.
0: I, he probably cheated. I'm I'm almost certain, but... but it's
1: like you don't know what his house looked like. Like, bitch, that's not somebody yeah. you need to get revenge on.
0: How? Yeah, I mean, how doesn't she know? Unless it's like the whole row of houses, like in that area, all look the same. But then still, I think you would still know his address. I know. I know. With law enforcement and emergency personnel approaching, the woman drove off. The sheriff's office reported. Deputies arrested the woman and charged her with felony first-degree arson, assault with a deadly weapon, and larceny of an animal.
1: Hmm.
0: Bond was set at $101,500, which is just a really weird amount.
1: Oddly specific indeed.
0: Yeah. I'm surprised it was like 32 cents, but (laughs) no. Um, It couldn't be determined Tuesday if she had an attorney. Investigators estimate the home sustained approximately twenty thousand dollars in damage.
1: Wow.
0: So that was that was a nutty news article. I mean, first she set fire to the wrong house. She had sealed off the hose.
1: Yeah, she and was and then like...
0: he was like, I'ma get my gun. And she was like, I'ma get your dog. <laughs>
1: I feel like, yeah, when this goes through trial, I feel like it's going to be real rough for her because it's very clear that she had the intention to, like, burn this Mammer Jammer's house down.
0: Oh, hell yeah. She can't even say it's an accident if it was so premeditated that she sealed <laughs> off the water supply.
1: I know. The dog piece, though, is awesome. I'm like, am like,
0: Mm-mm. Like, what the hell? Yeah. She ended up kidnapping this freaking dog then. Like, that's Get real away. dark,
1: girl. That's real dark.
0: <laughs> yeah. Don't bring animals into this shit, okay? But also, who hurt you? Cause <laughs> yeah, you've got some issues, man. Right? Oh my god.
1: Ugh. Where? Wait. Say where this was again? Was it? It was.
0: Uh, hold on. Let me look.
1: South Carolina.
0: I think it was North, but it might have been South. North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Mm. Salisbury.
1: Okay, North Carolina. All right. All right.
0: So without further ado, I guess I will dive right into my story. There's there's no sealing off water or, you know, stolen dogs or accidental fires to someone else's house. Um, but there is a lot of fun. A lot of fun, guys. Not really.
1: I, I feel like it's not fun, Eden. I feel like it's horror.
0: <laughs> it, it is. Okay. My story for this week takes place in Boise, Idaho. Boise is the state capital the most populous city in Idaho, and the county seat of Ada County. Doing research on Boise, I found out that this is not how locals pronounce it. They say Boise. Boise? With an S. Mm-hmm, Boise. Boise. We all say Boise with a Z sound.
1: Boise. Boise. Okay. Okay. Sure. Yeah,
0: I, it's so tough to say it that way that I, I can't. I, I immediately go back to Boise. Yeah.
1: Nope. Sorry. Can't do it.
0: Yeah. So super weird, right?
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I must have never met anyone from there because I've never heard it said said that way, ever. First, we learn Idaho isn't even all potato crazy. And now we learn we've been pronouncing the capital wrong this whole time. (laughs) I wonder what else Idaho has in store for us.
1: What other heartbreaks and disillusionment awaits us.
0: Exactly. Boise has a population of 235,684 people and is also pretty large in area at around 85 square miles. Hmm. With a place this size, there is obviously quite a lot to do around here, including but in no way limited to enjoying its natural beauty with a ton of walking trails, hot springs, and beaches, sledding down some giant sand dunes, rock climbing or visiting one of the 30 state parks in the area.
1: That sounds awesome. The sand dune, by the way. Like, that sounds like so much fun.
0: It does. But if you think nature is gross, first of all, who are you? Secondly, you can skip all that and maybe take in something a bit more cerebral and artsy. If those things are more your style, there's the Warhawk Air Museum, with fighter planes galore, or the Freak Alley Gallery with the unfortunate acronym of FAG.
1: Ooh. Mm, the first name's yeah. great, but... Mm.
0: Yeah, but not so much the acronym. So it's still pretty cool. Um, it's the Northwest's largest open-air multi-artist mural gallery, according to their website. So I may have lied just a tiny bit about, you know, not being outdoors anymore, but, <laughs> you know. Plant lovers can also check out the Idaho Botanical Gardens, which are only a short distance from another spot you may want to consider visiting. The site of today's story, the old Idaho State Penitentiary.
1: Wait a minute, that's where Lida lived.
0: Yup, that's why I said this one played into my story. Nice. So I will admit that I love a good haunted prison. And when I saw this one, I thought about covering it, but wanted to do something different. But Idaho seems to be the least haunted place in the world or at least according to the internet because i could not find a lot of genuine hauntings so to prison we go (laughs) i will start off by saying this place has over a hundred years of tormented souls wandering through its doors it was up and running from 1872 to 1973. it was built two decades before idaho even became a state And started construction in 1870. Wow. It began as a single cell house and grew later to have several buildings all surrounded by a lovely sandstone wall reaching 17 feet high. Try climbing that bitch. I dare you.
1: Well, first you need to get your your not boyfriend to make you a pipe ladder. And then.
0: Exactly. (laughs) And then he mysteriously dies. So with just one building in 1872, everybody was still like, yeah, great job. Let's throw some people in here. (laughs) And the first 11 inmates were taken from the Boise County Jail and placed here instead. By the 1930s, this original structure was no longer being used to house prisoners and instead was turned into a chapel before coming to a horrible end in 1973 when it burned down during a prison riot, which I will discuss a little later. Yikes. A new cell house was made up of three tiers of 42 steel cells, with the third tier being Death Row. One of the most interesting things I found about this place is that it has a rose garden in it now. But it's a lot creepier than it sounds, because this rose garden was where they used to execute the inmates on Death Row. Oh,
1: oh. Oh, 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 oh.
0: Yes. No. Out of the 10 people executed here, six of these happened in the Rose Garden. Maybe that's how it got its fertile soil. Who mm, knows?
1: That's that's so dark, but yeah, maybe.
0: <laughs> but maybe, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't put it past this place. There was a dining hall built in 1898, which was designed by one of the inmates named George Hamilton.
1: Wait, literally an inmate design part of the prison?
0: Oh, they had inmates do all sorts of stuff here. Oh, my God. (laughs) And, I mean, that's not really off-brand for a lot of these old prisons that we've seen.
1: That's true. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah,
0: they did have the prisoners do a lot of the building of the actual prison, uh, which royally pissed them all off, I'm sure. (laughs) I'm
1: sure. I'm sure.
0: A second cell house was added in 1899. This one was made with cells to house two people each, and they used something called a honey bucket for their toilet. Uh,
1: That does not sound as delightful as the name would lead me to believe.
0: No, it's something very gross. I saw pictures. It is literally a bucket like those orange ones that you can get at Home Depot mm-hmm. with a plastic toilet seat over it and a trash bag inside. Yeah, no wonder they rioted hmm So, Cell House 3 came next and has an interesting story, honestly. It was built in 1899 as well, and as you will see, because there is a pattern of shittiness, this place was eventually condemned and no one could live in it anymore. In 1921, it was converted into a shoe factory because for-profit prisons are fun like that.
1: <laughs> Who doesn't love a little slave labor?
0: exactly
1: oh yeah the slaves
0: (laughs) yeah pretty much i mean everyone else is just like free labor cool um but yeah remember that last one that i did where they made t-shirts and bed sheets yeah so yeah still again not far off brand for these types these types of prisons by 1928 they made it into a cell house again and this next part is a positive but still speaks way more to the negative of this place since this is now 1928, and this is the first cell house to have indoor plumbing.
1: Oh, no more honey buckets.
0: For this place, at least. This part of the prison. (laughs) The rest of them you're going to honey bucket away. (laughs) It took them until 1920 to actually build a separate space for the female prisoners, who were up until this point sharing space with the male prisoners. As you could guess... There was, you know, a lot of bad shit going on because of this, and they were forced to create the women's cells instead.
1: Well, that, in, I think, explains a little bit about uh, some of the advantages, maybe, that... Oh, no, 1921, I guess Lida hadn't quite landed there just yet.
0: Not there yet. And there's also um, a little something else. So in 1908, they had a tempor- they had temporarily given women their own space mm-hmm. inside the old warden's house.
1: That Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I don't know if the
0: warden was still living there. I hope not, because that sounds shady.
1: Mm-hmm. Sounds like a warden's brothel.
0: Yeah, maybe it was that same warden. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go over every addition to this place because there are a few more buildings that went up over time. But I do want to talk about their two separate solitary confinement areas. The first was built in 1920 and was called the Cooler. And although it was supposed to be solitary, hence the name, they usually held four to six men in one solitary confinement cell.
1: Uh, so that sounds like a sort of a survival of the fittest murder cell, honestly. I just.
0: I don't... Oh. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine so. I didn't find any documented cases, but I can guarantee pretty much that something happened in those cells that was oh, yeah. not good
1: yeah that sounds very terrifying,
0: and then they were buried in the rose garden, and no one was the wiser,
1: but those roses
0: gorgeous Beautiful.
1: gorgeous
0: yeah they they remedied this in nineteen twenty six when they made their new solitary confinement area, which was called Siberia, and they were uh twelve three by eight cells, and they only kept one person in these at a time, thankfully, okay. Now, I want to get into the conditions here in greater detail because, like I said, they are not great. Let's start with that sandstone wall. Sandstone was used because it was durable and cheap. So the best of both worlds. But it acted as a strong insulator and in summer would hold in all that heat and in winter would make it freezing cold. Ugh. Sandstone, don't use it. Mm Mm-mm. Due to the fact that there was no indoor plumbing in this place for a lot of its history, this led to some very unsanitary conditions and spread a lot of disease from fecal contamination. Also, this place was not well ventilated, so that didn't help either. So, I mean, just like imagine that for a second. You are in this place. It's like a million degrees outside. Therefore, it's a million degrees inside because of this insulation wall that they made. And all you're smelling all day is your shit in a honey bucket. Yeah. The guards were said to be violent here as well, so that just added to the fun a great deal.
1: Hooray!
0: To get free labor, a lot of prisoners had been responsible for building a lot of the structures and buildings in the prison, which housed them. Not uncommon, but very shitty. I don't have an exact cell count, but I do know there were five cell blocks. I know at least two had 42 cells housing two people at a time. So let's say that first one housed 42 people as well, but only one person per cell, which I assume from my research is how it went. I figure there should be somewhere around a maximum capacity of maybe 378. And that's probably high since I know the women's building had less cells since there were only ever 215 women here out of the 13,000 to 16,000 housed here, depending on the source. With that many people, I can almost guarantee overcrowding at points, which we already know happened in solitary, so why not regular cells? And then you can actually scratch my math, however, because later I found a number, but wanted to (laughs) leave my math in because it's math, and I don't do that shit for fun. (laughs) So, max capacity was actually 600.
1: Mm, Okay.
0: So still overcrowding, I'm sure. For sure. I had mentioned riots earlier, but what I did not tell you is there were actually three separate riots. The first was in 1953, the second was in 1971, and the final riot only two years later in 1973. The reason for all these riots was the poor conditions prisoners were subjected to, which seems pretty obvious.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. They're basically being housed in deplorable, like, 19th century conditions
0: yeah from what little i could find out about these poor conditions other than what i told you earlier i would say overcrowding was probably the biggest concern here along with having to shit in a bucket <laughs> Yeah. um the place was not very clean and did have disease outbreaks which were not uncommon uh i did not find much about the riots themselves but i do know the prisoners burnt a bunch of buildings to the ground And most of this happened in 1973. Okay. In 1971, they burnt the wrong building to the ground. No, I'm joking. Um, In 1971, they burnt down the hospital, or at this point, it would have been the social services office. Yikes. Uh, In 1973, they burnt down the chapel, the dining hall, and cell house too. After the riots left this place in such a messy state, they transported the remaining prisoners to a prison south of Boise, which was a lot more modern. I'm sure there were more famous criminals that stayed here, as this was a frontier prison of the Wild West. But there are three that stick out. First is Harry Orchard, who assassinated Frank Stunenberg. Uh, He was a mayor. Uh, And the second is Lida Southard, who was dubbed Lady Bluebeard, among others, as Nicole wonderfully told us. And she just kept killing her husbands for insurance money. <laughs> it's very strange, though, because Wikipedia says that her victims are one to six. It didn't say the exact it's just like one to six victims. <laughs> very weird.
1: That kind of makes sense because there were, even though she had seven husbands, there were a few that got away. Like I think two of them got away.
0: Yeah, it, like some of them, they were just like, we don't necessarily know that this is the cause, even though obviously it was. Uh, the last is Raymond Allen Snowden, who was only convicted of one murder of a mother of two children, but was dubbed Idaho's Jack the Ripper. What? Yeah, I didn't really get into his story, um, but I think it's something that I am going to check out on my own at some point just to see. I mean, if he only was convicted of one murder, like, you know, I mean, he could have done like a million of them and they only got him on one. Who knows? But after closing in 1973, the old Idaho State Penitentiary was added to the National Register of Historic Places and is now a museum and historical society. Tickets for adults uh, are at $8. Children at 5 If you're over 60, you can get in for $6, or if you have a membership with the Historical Society, it is free. Hmm. So if you like visiting historical locations and think you'll go a lot, I highly recommend a membership to the Historical Society. My mom has one for Newport, Rhode Island, so she can go on tours of the houses for free, and it has come in handy because she goes, every single time she goes to Newport, she goes in all the houses. (laughs) Now, there have been a lot of deaths in this place, and as you know, this sort of thing can sometimes make a place what we lovingly refer to as hella haunted. And if you believe Mr. Zach Baggins, that's exactly what this place is. The total deaths, including the executions I mentioned, totaled to at least 110. And some of those are murders by other inmates and such, so let's get into some ghosties, shall we? Let's do it. People report an overall uneasy feeling in this place and feel like they're being watched. They feel incredible anxiety and sadness upon entering, they hear whispers, and lights tend to flicker on and off. There are lots of unexplained noises, and people do get touched by these ghosts,
1: Um, that's super creepy, especially, like, in an old-ass prison.
0: Exactly. They say the most haunted building is Cell House 5, which, like I said, was the death row one. And there was that in-house execution area that was also in there, so, yeah. People have reported seeing shadowy figures here and believe them to be the ghosts of inmates past. It was very strange to me that a place reported as one of the most haunted places ever really only talked about how haunted it was without giving experiences other than general stuff. So I did (laughs) what I usually do and snooped through comment sections of websites for people's stories instead.
1: (laughs) Maybe that's what it is about Idaho. Maybe there are some hauntings, but people are just really bad at describing and documenting them in Idaho. (laughs)
0: I guess, because it's like, yeah, it's haunted, like real haunted, like super, super haunted. Let's move on.
1: And if you follow me down the hallway, now let me show you. <laughs>
0: hmm So, one person wrote, they went here and they saw this old man they thought was part of their tour group until he walked through a wall and disappeared.
1: Ah! No thanks. Creepy. Yeah,
0: exactly. This next one... I wanted to read for you word for word, grammar and punctuation errors and all, because they just do not believe in punctuation, I think. <laughs> this one's batshit and probably fake. So here goes. A friend and I went to the old pen a few months ago with some friends and brought ghost devices because we thought, why not? We brought a Ouija board, an EMF, sorry, a EMF. <laughs> a one word, friend, and I went to the old pen a few months ago. Okay, now they apparently just wrote stuff twice, so we're going to skip ahead a little bit. EMF and rods. We went up to the room where were, they wrote, but we're going to say where they hung people for their death sentence. When we got out the board, we tried playing it, but nothing happened. We tried again 15 min later. Still nothing later. We tried again, and the EMF went off and went all the way to red, and the board started spelling out random letters and words that I'm pretty sure was in Latin, and one of my friends, she took her hand of the palette. I think they mean planchette, which is something you're not supposed to do. And I guess the spirit got mad, like really mad, and possessed her. We had to call a priest and hold her down. She's fine now, just in a mental hospital.
1: (laughs) That's not fine now, first of all. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. That's some nutty, nutty comments right there.
0: Yeah. I don't know if I trust
1: somebody who doesn't know the difference between were and where to tell me if they think something's in Latin, though.
0: That is true, yes.
1: (laughs) Not to be a snob or anything. I'm just, you know, feeling my feelings
0: about that. What's this word here? Diath? Diath. Hmm, I have no idea what that means. Mm. Someone who was walking around the building at night in the early 2000s says they saw a white light coming from a tower when there was no one there. They saw, like, a ghostly figure and a white light coming from a tower, and, like, the building was completely vacant at the time. Mm. These were actually the only stories that I could really find online, which shocked me until I found another website listing the TV shows that have covered this place because I thought maybe they would list some of the ghosts or fun other stuff, but (laughs) no— Uh, they were even more helpful and told me that the first show to do this place and bring it to prominence was Ghost Adventures, who caught, and I quote, a ton of paranormal activity.
1: <laughs> well, they caught a ton.
0: So, If you guys have been here and want to share some stories, please feel free. Unfortunately, I could not find more than this, but I'm sure Zach will love to tell us all about his stuff. I was not renting another Ghost Adventures episode. I cannot (laughs) do it. I cannot put myself through that. I do not need that negativity in my life. So, Nicole, would you like to visit Baggins Land? Oops, I mean, Old Idaho State Penitentiary?
1: I mean... uh... I do love an old pen, so probably, especially because I feel like it's it's also a little bit of a time capsule of, like, the Old West a little bit, but
0: man. Yeah, I mean, definitely.
1: Man, man, man. I feel like there's something about, like, the state of our prisons. Like, I don't know too much about the history of prisons in this country in, like, the 20th century, but man, it's, like, a scary time to go to prison any time between, like, 1960 and, like... 2000. Yep. I don't know.
0: Definitely. I mean, there's a lot of nutty stuff that went on in prisons. I mean, you know, freaking rat calls and honey buckets and all sorts of other fun, fun things. Mm-hmm. Anyway, my sources for this week were Wikipedia, TravelChannel.com, History.idaho.gov, lightonline.com, tons of other pages from history.idaho.gov because I think I had like five tabs open on that website. <laughs> TripAdvisor.com, idahopress.com, legendsofamerica.com, localwiki.org, and idahohauntedhouses.com. I bet that house, I, house, sure. I bet that website is very bare other than the story. <laughs> <laughs> there may have been more honestly, but Salem jumped on the computer tower and turned the power off again, trying to get onto my lap. So luckily most of my story was saved this time, but my sources did not. So there may have been more.
1: You really got to be a more attentive cat dad. He wouldn't do that kind of thing.
0: Well, you know what I do now? Hmm. Because I've learned and smartened up. I place a book over top of the computer tower. So that way when he decides to jump on there to get to my lap, He doesn't press a button.
1: Aw, see, the buttons like recessed. Yeah, you've modified your life for your cat, which all cat owners do. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You are a good cat, Dad. I take it back, Eden.
0: I bought a special vacuum just for him that he's terrified of, but it helps with getting (laughs) his hair out of absolutely freaking everything.
1: Bless his little fluffy heart. Well,
0: he's not even a long-haired cat. He's a short hair. Stop (laughs) shedding so much.
1: Well, thanks for that story, Eden. Uh, yeah, I think um, I'm, I'm always down for you to cover a haunted prison.
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely will do more. Uh, hopefully they will have, you know, more to go on. But I think it's just Idaho turned out to be kind of not great for the whole haunted aspect of things. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So we went to the classics, lady poisoners and haunted prisons. I dig it.
0: Exactly.
1: All right. Well, if you have any feedback for us, Roadsters, feel free to drop us a line. You can send us an email at roadsidehorrorshow at gmail.com.
0: You can visit our website at roadsidehorrorshow.podbean.com.
1: You can check us out on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram as Roadside Horror Show and on Twitter as Roadside Horror.
0: We'd also like to thank yox Rocks Designs for our logo and E. Massey for our intro and outro music.
1: Until next time, Roadsters, creep, creep on, creepin' on. It on. Creep on.